0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Pursuing Jesus Podcast. My name is Shane Winnings, and I'm excited today. I'm taking a request from an Instagram DM. I don't do this very often. I mean, I look at them, and if I get a couple of the same content or the same theme, then I'll do an episode on it. But today, I was between a couple different topics, and this one came in, and I think it's going to be a good one. Sorry, I'm out of breath. I just did some pull-ups downstairs in the garage before this. I love having a a garage gym. I can just get in there and get it done. But listen, you can work out anywhere. You can drop down and do some push ups. You can do some crunches, some flutter kicks. You can do jumping jacks wherever you're at. Um, You know, you need to be working out 20 to 30 minutes a day for at least three times a week. That is scientifically proven to lengthen your life. So, hey, take care of your body. It's the only one you've got. Take care of your temple. And uh, God honors what you honor. Um, If you disgrace your body, then there's not going to be a lot of grace to pray when you have health issues that could have been avoided by staying in shape, eating right, all all that kind of stuff. So anyway, so I'll get off the soapbox there. Listen, I'm still looking for uh, applications. If you want to be a part of the Overcomers team, we need someone to manage this podcast. That's going to be just simple editing. Um, graphic and, uh, uploading the graphic. I can, I can make the graphic unless we also get a second hire and just posting the podcast. And then we need a social media manager as well. So that'll be a dual position. You'll manage my social media account and, uh, you'll help manage. I'll still manage it with you in the podcast. And then I need a videographer editor. That position needs to be able to travel, um, You can still work remotely, but you need to be able to travel when I travel, and the social media and podcast manager, you can work from anywhere. So um, if you're interested, send me a DM on Instagram or send an email to OvercomersTX, as in Texas, OvercomersTX at gmail.com. And listen, guys, if you appreciate the podcast, if you appreciate our ministry, we're running a pretty big uh, fundraiser right now for the ministry, not for my family, we're covered we had a goal of $42,000. We're already uh, up six grand. So we're at 36,000 remaining. If you want to give, please help us out. I need to hire these two positions and we need to be able to pay them. Um, And we've got some travel stuff coming up, amazing opportunities. So you can give at shanewinnings.com or you can find the fundraiser. If you go to my Instagram, Um, it's in my story or at the link in my bio. So Bless you guys. Thanks for listening. Here's what Jacob said. This is a random DM from a friend named Jacob. call him a friend because we are brothers in Christ, but I've never met him. I don't know who he is. Here's what he says. Hey Shane, was thinking you should do a podcast episode for Christians that are coming out of hiding. I grew up in the church, have always had a love for God and for people, but for many years I was lost in the wilderness with partying, sex, drugs, and porn. But lately I've been surrendering my life bit by bit to the Lord. He has been faithful and He has been responsive. But I'm wondering how to go about certain things. God is changing me with every bit of surrender I give. I still have many, many friends who are unbelievers on the fence or struggling to surrender to God. Do I just openly tell them that I'm being changed by God and that I no longer have the same desires as them? Is there a balance of friendship with unbelievers? I definitely feel I have to keep God close and throw up some inner defenses when I'm around some of them. I understand about dying to myself, but am I to leave certain friends behind in the dust? And then he sent another message. I pray for them daily and ask God to provide me opportunities to witness to them. I feel like a part of me really needs to tell them everything that's going on in my life, but I'm struggling to understand how. Do you have an episode on any of this? If not, you should definitely make one. Really feel like there are Christians out there in hiding like myself, struggling to break free. Well, Jacob, thank you for this. This is great. I think it's going to help a lot of people. I hope it helps you. Here's what I have to say about that. Um, I, because I had a similar experience. You know, I grew up in the church. I grew up, um, you know, with Christian friends, even From you know 20 years old, 21 years old to 25 and a half ish, when I got born again, for those five and a half years living in Washington, you know, I I was friends with pretty much only people from my church, and yet I acted a certain way and I struggled with certain things and I um, lived a lifestyle that was totally contrary to the Bible. And what happened when I got born again? was I began to see that life had been all about me. I had fixed my eyes on myself, my goals, my desires, my life, my dreams, and I was all about doing whatever I had to do to make that happen all the time. And I was a very hard worker. I mean, I still am, but my efforts were all about self. And when I gave my life to Jesus and I began to follow him, my efforts were redirected to knowing Him. And what happens when you focus solely on knowing God and surrendering is that you can't care about the opinions of man. You know, Revelation twelve eleven says we overcame the enemy. We will overcome the enemy. This is how we overcome the enemy. The blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us on the cross, the word and the power of our testimony Right? Because we shame the devil every time we declare what God has done. And the last one, not loving your own life unto death. And even on a smaller scale, this means not loving your life so much that you would stay quiet or sell out in some ways. Maybe not fully, but you yourself, even as a Christian, could be riding the fence in regards to you've been called to testify and to share and to be a light to a perverse generation. But what happens if some of that perverse generation is your friend group? Are you going to put a basket over your own head and not shine for them because you're concerned with what they might think or say? And I know that's pretty straightforward, but that's how the Bible is. Um, I, I want to encourage you that there is a way to love your friends, and the true way to love them is to tell them the truth. Now, you do this with grace and with mercy. You're not going to come out and say, hey, all of you guys are sinners. I just got born again or i just had my eyes open and i realized that you know we're all this and that i unless you are totally led by the lord to confront or approach a situation like that that's not how i would prescribe it but i would be totally honest you know if your friends are if there's people that you sit down and talk with often or whatever that might be a great opportunity to just sit down and say guys i need to tell you guys something Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you've noticed. Maybe you haven't yet, but, but something has happened in my life. Begin to tell them what God's done. Tell them about your encounter with him or what made you this way. You know, even if it was recent, say, hey, this, this just happened. This night or this day, I went to this church or I read this or I saw this video and now I'm different. And I have to tell you guys, I recognize that the way that I've acted around you has not been appropriate. And I would take the low road in this scenario, because you don't want to come off as judgmental. However, when you preach the truth, especially when you have just come out of the darkness, when you shine light on something, people might feel judged. They might feel condemned. But oftentimes, if it's said with love, what they're feeling is conviction, and the word condemnation or, or judgment or shame kind of comes up to try to cover, right? Oh, you're just trying to shame us. Oh, you're just trying to condemn us. Oh, you're just trying to judge us. Well, no, you could be totally sharing truth with them in love, but because their conscience is now convicted and their hearts are cut, they're putting up walls of defense. This is common. So you have to be ready for that and you have to make sure that you're in the right place. You know, you can stand before God and say, God, I know that I'm sharing out of love. I'm not holier than thou. I'm not looking down on them. I'm trying to be honest and you can't control how they respond. But all of that to say, the way I would go low is instead of saying, man, you guys are this, you guys are that, share what happened to you. You don't need to in immediately point out the sin of others. And, and let me finish this thought before some of you get triggered, um, because I do believe in calling out exposing the works of darkness. This is what the Bible tells us to do, but listen one way to do that. You could walk up to your friends and say, Hey, um, I met the Lord, and drinking is a sin, and you guys are sinners, and you need to repent. Okay, I don't think that's going to be very effective. But if if they're really your friends, even if they're your close friends, you're hanging with them, maybe you're sitting, talking, whatever, and you can just say, Guys, i got to tell you, I had this encounter, this happened, I gave my life to Jesus, and I've been feeling so convicted over the past however long about the way that I used to live. And... Now that i'm a christian or now that i've had this experience um you know i i feel like i can't do these certain things anymore i feel convicted i'm not trying to be religious i want you guys to hear me i can't even talk the same way anymore because my heart feels different i'm thinking differently guys i I can't tell you what happened all i know is it's god but you know me i used to talk like this and now i i feel like i can't talk that way anymore No pastor told me that. No one, there's no religious rules or any duty I'm trying to uphold. I feel different in my heart. I feel convicted when I talk this way. I I need to talk a different way. I feel convicted when we would go out to the bars together. I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. Again, guys, I'm not doing this because I belong to a certain church or I read a Christian rule book. I have encountered God, and He changed my heart and my mind, and there's just some things that I... I can't do anymore, or I'll be going against my conviction, and I believe I would be sinning, and I can't do that. Now, when you say something like that to a group of friends, that, one, it's going to speak volumes. They might call you weird. They might make fun of you. Whatever. You are living for God. You are, you are pure. You're holy. You're righteous because of the blood of Jesus. Your heart's been made new. Your mind is being renewed daily. You're accountable to God. And one thing I want to encourage you to be careful with is, and I I think I've stumbled in this area, and I've really asked the Lord to keep my heart pure, because um, you can say things with a pure heart that come off as rude or harsh or abrasive. And just because it's true, and just because you said it in love, doesn't mean it's always received that way. And part of being a good communicator is understanding how something will be received, Because it's not about your delivery. It's about how it was received. Okay? So uh, let me give you an example. Um, If I was hanging around some people that I used to, um, you know, say that I was on the worship team with or that I went to church with, and I can say, guys, I'm, I'm born again. I'm born again now. I can't do those things that you do. Well, remember, these are my friends from church. These are people who profess the same thing that I do. They call themselves Christians. And so if I say, hey, I'm a Christian now, I can't do that, what I'm, what, what you're indirectly saying is, well, if you were a Christian, you wouldn't do this. It's like a backhanded kind of, you know, because think of, if your friends hear that, they're going to go, what do you mean you're a Christian and you can't do this? We're Christians. What are you saying about us? What are you saying? We're not Christians. Like that's just a way to create tension. Now, you know you could say, "Hey guys, I, I need to talk to you guys." Listen, I know we used to. Let's let's take an example. This wasn't personal to me, but this was happening um, in a group in my church, um, my old church, that there was a, a pastor who they had uh, watch parties with some of their small group, and they would watch Game of Thrones. And I spoke out against it. I I just can't understand how. Um, a believer can watch a show like that. You know, it's, it's very worldly and sensual in a lot of areas. And it's basically soft core pornography from what I've heard. Never seen it myself. But that's what I've been told. Even the world recognizes it as that. And uh, this particular friend of mine said, well, we fast forward through that stuff. And I'm like, man, they said, you know, the storyline is good. And I said, man, I think that's compromise. I love you. I don't understand how you can do this. I don't think it's right. And if you're leading this thing, I think you're leading people in the wrong direction. And uh, if you have to fast forward through it, like, should you even be watching it? And I said, what would you think if Jesus was with you? Do you think he'd watch that show? And they said, yeah, I think Jesus would watch this with us. You know, the Song of Solomon and other places of the Bible are way more graphic and way more sexual than this. And when someone starts using the Bible to justify watching a sensual show, that's when you know that, look, they're fixed in their position. What they're saying is, look, I want to watch this show, and I really don't care what you think. Now, this created some tension, but I I approached it in love because I do love this person. I didn't think I was better than them. I saw a brother and a sister that I believe were in error, and they not only were just brothers and sisters in Christ, but they were leaders, and i'm like dude you have a you have a flock how can you lead them this way and i felt obligated and um it wasn't received well it really caused a rift in the relationship and that pretty much you know determined the rest of our relationship that was years and years ago and we really aren't in communication anymore and that's kind of one-sided but you know my heart is pure i know that i um i did it for the right reasons but um, it's just important to understand that, man, not everyone is going to think your, your new conversion is, is popular. Because, you know, and, and again, this isn't me pushing my convictions on someone else. So let me make that clear. Like, say that, um, you know, the Lord told me about a year after I got born again, I never want you to touch another sip of alcohol if you want me to take you where I want to take you. And I said okay, and I wasn't. I was a cop who was preaching on the street. I had a thousand followers on Facebook and and Instagram, and that's because I had had an account for you know what uh, six years. I mean, everyone had a thousand followers. It's because your your friends or people you've met or whatever. Like I I didn't. I wasn't preaching on social media like I am now. I wasn't preaching at any churches. I wasn't doing events. I was no one. I didn't know that I'd be where I'm at right now. But God said, where I want to take you, you can never touch another sip of alcohol. And I said, okay. Now, if I were to approach my Christian friends who like to enjoy a beer or, you know, a drink or something like that, and I were to say, hey, God told me never to drink again. You should not be drinking alcohol. You're a Christian. You should, be, you should know better than that. You should never... I I think that is wrong. I'm pushing my conviction on someone else, because is it biblically wrong to have any type of alcohol? Well, people are going to say, well, Jesus drank wine, and well, it it was not as strong back then, and then you get into this whole thing. The point is, it does not say, if you're a Christian, you should never touch a sip of alcohol, right? So what I'm standing on is not totally a biblical argument in itself. It is mixed with something that God spoke to me that's my own conviction. Um, just like if God told me, hey, don't listen to this band anymore, I can't go preach that as the gospel, right? The only thing that you should be preaching or speaking to anyone else, any, the only standard you should be holding anyone to is the standard that is in the Bible. And if it's not in the Bible, then you need to use you know insane discernment. And if someone is asking for Direction or guidance or any kind of wisdom, you can share that with them. You know, if I have Christian friends who are like, hey, you know, why don't you drink? And I'll tell them, you know, I just noticed that um, it's a stumbling block for many people. You know, God, one, the reason I don't drink is because six years ago, God told me to never drink again. So I said, yes, sir. But even now, I wouldn't drink because. I recognize that it just creates a stumbling block, and I don't want to taint my ministry in any way by preaching to thousands of people and and talking about dying yourself and all this stuff, and then people see me have a beer. Like, and that's not a sin. I just, I don't want to put that image in anyone's head, and that's just for me, right? And so I could share that with someone as wisdom, but I'm not going to teach it as a doctrine. Now, when you're confronting your friends, you need to be standing on the Word of God. So with this... Game of Thrones situation, I mean, this is one of those things, you know, the Bible says I will set no vile thing before my eyes. The Bible talks about, you know, dwelling on what is good and holy and pure and, you know, fix your eyes on the things above, not the things below. There's so many scriptures that talk about how important it is to guard your eyes from the lust of the world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, right? The lust of the flesh. Um, It's, it's, Keeping the marriage bed pure, that means you can't be watching someone else in their bed, right? I mean, it's just, it it should be common knowledge that us as Christians should not be watching sexually charged things, let alone soft core porn. Um, And so when I confronted those friends, it was the word of God. It wasn't my own conviction that I was standing on. And again, I felt more led because they were leading other people. So I hope this is helping (laughs) you kind of understand the way that I approach these things, because it's not always black and white, but one thing is for sure, you, now that you are, you know, you're asking, well, how do I approach this? Because my friends, you know, let me read again what you said. Um, Is there a balance of friendship with unbelievers? Do I openly tell them I'm being changed by God and no longer have the same desires as them? And you said you even have to throw up some inner defenses when you're around some of them um is it okay to leave certain friends in the dust you know i lost a lot of friends when i got born again and as i began to walk closer and closer with the lord and it wasn't because we had a meeting and a sit down and we didn't agree and so we just parted ways people just fell off and i prayed and i said god please prune anyone out of my life that you don't want in it please i don't care if i've been friends with them for 10 years I'm not xing them out of my life. I'm just saying, Lord, would you prune them out of my life? I want to bear fruit for you. I'm not on the earth to make friendships. I'm on the earth to make disciples, and I can't let any leaven of the world get into uh, my lump because it will ruin the whole thing. A little leaven leavens the whole loaf, and the the little foxes, right? I mean, there's there's so many verses that. That Jesus even said a little leaven can leaven 60 pounds of dough or something like that. I mean, it was it's insane. What he's saying is it doesn't take much at all to spoil the whole thing. The Bible talks about a fly in the, the ointment ruins the whole thing. Just one fly. It's so important to keep yourself, the Bible says, unspotted from the world. Uh, the Bible says that a, a good officer... Uh, A good soldier, I remember this when I was in the military. This was a verse that my dad told me when I was about to become a a lieutenant in charge of men. Um, The Bible says that uh, basically, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember word for word, but a good soldier does not entangle himself in the affairs of the world so that he may please the one who enlisted him. So God is the one who has enlisted me into his army. Now my business needs to be his business. I can't go get involved with the things of the world because then I'll get entangled in them and I won't be able to carry out the duty that I've been called to by Him. So when it comes to friendships, my goal is to show the love of God but not at the cost of walking the life uh, out that He has called me to. And the truth is, Jacob, that you've been called out of hiding. You've been called out of the darkness. You've been called out of this life that you once lived. And now you need to walk in the light as he is in the light. And not only that, you are called to expose the works of darkness, not cover up, not pretend that they're not happening. And so you have this great privilege now of being a light in the midst of your friend group. Do I have acquaintances that are unbelievers? Yeah, I do. Do I have um, acquaintances or even, you know, I would say friends that are not burning for Jesus but maybe confess him? You know, and maybe they have some compromise or they have some ways of living that I don't totally agree with. Yes, I do. But, and here's the key, none of those people are my close friends. This worldly principle applies that you will become like the five people you surround yourself with. My closest friends, the people that I let in, are only the ones that are burning for the Lord as much or more than I am. Burning for the Lord. Those are the people that I'm close with. Those are the people that I spend time with. Those are the relationships that I pour into. I'm not pouring into 30 different relationships. My wife and I, we have a handful of friends, couples, um, and a couple of single friends that we just really pour into and love. I mean Jesus only fixed himself on 12, right? So if it was married couples, that'd be six married couples, 12 people. So it's important to understand your your close friends are the ones who are going to sharpen you, they're going to build you up, they're going to spur you on, they're going to encourage you, they're going to stir you up in good works in faith. They're going to challenge you, they're going to rebuke you, they're going I mean they should have that that access but as that circle broadens and now we're not in the close circle we're in the outer circle now we're talking about friends you know acquaintances people that you might go get a lunch with um, and and you're going to minister to them through your life it doesn't mean go get lunch with a friend and preach at them but you're going to let your life speak and you're going to be honest and you're going to shine a light for Jesus and you are going to see that lunch as an opportunity To witness for Jesus Christ, because you want to win them over as one of the ones who's burning for the Lord. Whether they're a compromising, lukewarm Christian, or they're an unbeliever, totally go get lunch, go get coffee, you know, maybe hang out uh, here and there with, with those people, and minister during that time. Our close friends are the ones that we say, hey, come over to the house, or we go over to their house, and we can kick our feet up. We can make a meal and eat a meal together. We can just sit and talk for hours. We can play board games. We, we can go on a trip together. Like, those are the people that, you know, we're not on a mission. When we go hang out, we're just, we're getting rest. We're pouring into each other. We're praying with each other. We're just, we're having a good time. But when I'm hanging out with people who are lukewarm or people who are, I know, are compromising or they're struggling or people who are unbelievers, you better believe that I am on a mission that whole time. I'm going to be evangelizing, I'm going to be pointing everything back to Jesus, and it's not that I turn my Christian face on or I start speaking Christian language. No, I am intentionally letting them know why my life is the way it is. Your close friends, the ones burning for the Lord, they know that, right? And you can get into deeper things. But sometimes you're hanging with unbelievers or people who are on the fence or just Sunday Christians, and... You can tell when you're trying to hang out, they 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 just want to talk about like superficial things, right? You can just tell there's not a lot of water in that pool, and that's not a dig, it's just honest. You know, when we hang out with some of our closest friends, I mean, we're talking about some deep stuff and we're giving each other revelation. I mean, we're prophesying over each other, we're praying for it's crazy. But when I hang out with some friends who aren't burning for the Lord or they're they're, you know, whatever phase they're in, you can just tell you feel like, man, this conversation just I don't I don't know what to talk about. I don't I'm not great at talking about sports for hours and hours. I'm not great at talking about cars for hours and hours. Like I, I just find myself wanting to talk about Jesus. And so Jacob, when you spend some time with these people, make sure first tell them what has happened. They, you know, they deserve that. You've been their friend, they deserve to know the truth. Say, this is what has happened to me. This is what's happening in my heart, in my mind. I need you guys to know that some things are going to change in my life. And this is because I recognize right now I'm accountable to God from this moment forward. And so if you guys ask me to come somewhere and I say no, just know that that's why. Or if if I don't say certain things, I don't, you know, this is who I am now. I, I believe that I was asleep, I was in the dark before, and now I'm awake. I'm in the light and I'm living for Jesus. And if you guys want to know more about that, I'd love to tell you because I truly believe I was lost and now I've been found. And you can use those opportunities to minister. doesn't mean you can't hang out with them, but I would be very careful because uh, people who are not burning for Jesus, they can influence you in the way that their life is going. So if you're one person and you're hanging out with four buddies and, and they're not really saved, well, you're more than likely going to head the direction that they're heading, even if it's over time. If you don't view that as a chance to minister, as a chance to tell the truth, um, especially if you're new in your conversion, you're very susceptible to falling into temptation, into sin, into just complacency, into just kind of doing things the way that they were doing, but now you have a Christian confession. I want to encourage you, especially if you're a new believer, you need to be very intentional with who you're surrounding yourself with, who you're spending a lot of time with. And uh, when you do spend time with people like that, you need to be uh, on a mission. So I hope this helps. Um, It is okay if friends walk away. If friends say, hey, man, you know, you don't really fit in anymore. We don't really like who you are anymore. You can say, guys, I'm so sorry. Man, I hope we can hang sometimes. But I totally understand this isn't a, a new religion for me. This isn't a new um, thing I'm going to put on my Instagram bio like this is a, a new life that I have and so I understand if it clashes with what you guys are saying and I'm not offended by it um, you know I love you guys it, you have to understand you, you're a new creation you have a new life so it's, you're not just going to mesh back into your old friend group like you're totally new um, and you need to expect that in some sense so that you don't get let down um, as far as asking God opportunities to witness, it's actually pretty easy. If, if, if that is your heart position and your mind is just like, dude, I got to tell them what God is doing, just tell them. Tell them what God's doing. They might think you're annoying. They might think you're ridiculous or you're out of your mind. I've, I got that a lot, um, and it's okay because you're alive for Jesus and your heart is pure. So I hope this helps. Listen, if it did, please share this podcast. Um, I, I I, want to reach as many people as possible so that they can know how to share the gospel with their friends. Amen? Guys, thank you so much for listening. Look, um, if you want to attend our virtual school this summer, it was going to be in person. We had a lot of changes go on. It's a one-week virtual school, July 10th through the 14th. Um, it's only $100. It is a week long. We're going into Identity. Gifts of the Spirit. We're going to be talking about how to live bold and on fire for Jesus. Give you guys a sneak peek at my book coming out this fall. It's going to be a powerful time. Um, You can fill out the application at the link in this podcast, or you can uh, send me a DM on Instagram that you want to attend, and I'll get you the application. So bless you guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.